monogamy or not? Is monogamy the way to go, your goal in any relationship, or not? Is it okay to cheat, or is it not? We'll get into this thorny and complicated question after this quick word from our sponsor, me. Hi everyone, welcome to the Gentleman's Guide to Flirting. I am David, the author of the book of the same name, Gentleman's Guide to Flirting, available on Amazon.com. I am also your host and the exalted leader of the Gentleman's Guide to Flirting empire. You will be able to find this content on YouTube or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Thank you for joining. Let's get started. Hey everybody. Welcome to episode 19 of the Gentleman's Guide to Flirting podcast. I am David, the author of the book. I've got another great episode for you this week. Last week we talked about the delicate subject of asking for sex. This week I want to have an honest and candid discussion around sex again, but focused on with how many different women at any given time. So, in other words, monogamy or not? Now, this is called the Gentleman's Guide to Flirting, so you might expect me to say no flatly, and that's it. End of podcast. Now, would saying no like that match reality? Is that useful to you really? To be clear, my priority in all of this, the book and the podcasts and everything, is your overall success and happiness. So let's dig into this question a bit. First of all, what's monogamy? What is it? The word monogamy derives from the Greek in two pieces, the word monos, which means alone, and gamos, which means marriage. So let's break it down a little further. Current thinking says there are at least three types of monogamy, three. One, marital monogamy refers to marriages between only two people. The second, social monogamy refers to two partners living together having sex with each other, and cooperating and acquiring the basics like shelter, food, and money. The third, sexual monogamy, refers to two partners remaining sexually exclusive with each other and having no outside sex partners. What is considered normal or expected around monogamy varies around the world. Different cultures around the world define normal behavior differently. According to a work called The Ethnographic Atlas by a gentleman named George Murdoch, that was a study of over 1,200 societies from around the world, a little over 84% of them had some common, if not accepted, form of non-monogamy. 84% out of over 1,200 societies. Now, by societies, those were all, weren't all population groups of the same size that could range from society defined as a group of 100 million people all the way down to, say, just a few thousand. How does it break down between the sexes? In Western cultures, and Western society, some recent studies have found that around 10 to 15 percent of women and 20 to 25 percent of men engage in extramarital sex. 10 to 15 percent of women and 20 to 25 percent of men. So that's quite a difference. And as I understand it, as I was researching to uh, create this episode, that imbalance is quite common around the world, all over the place. Now, there are some societies where their family structure is woman-centered and it's skewed, but by large, across the majority of people on the planet, 
that kind of ratio holds true. More men are likely to engage in that kind of behavior than women. Now, my own observations are a bit different. I am no scientist, as you know. I'm just me. But I'll tell you a story. When I was young and in the military, I mean, I went in when I was 17. I don't recall ever seeing a man who wouldn't cheat when there was no chance at all of him getting caught. Not one. I don't recall any. I mean, when a bunch of us were sent overseas to someplace like the Philippines or Thailand, everyone, and I mean everyone, was out chasing the local women and frankly acting on every opportunity. Those places, at least back then, were like heaven for single guys. For at least the first week or two you were there. That was everyone, the married guys, the religious Bible guys, older people, younger people, everyone. I recall guys going wild on trips to Las Vegas, definitely Amsterdam, parts of Germany. It didn't matter, as long as they were certain they wouldn't get caught. When I first joined the military, I was told about a PCO day, PCO date, by the experienced guys. And that translates to pussy cutoff date. The PCO date was how many days before you went back home that you needed to stop having sex with other women. The reasoning was that you needed to come back home looking unsatisfied sexually, you know, hungry. Now, I am not saying any of that was the right thing to do. I'm just providing you real and complete information. Now, back to the subject. Since no one has any data to prove me wrong, I'm going to call the question of monogamy for most men a 10-80-10 thing, a breakdown like we talked about in a prior episode. But this time, let's say the bottom 10% will cheat whether they think they will be caught or not. The top 10% won't cheat at all whether anyone is watching them or will tell on them or they may get caught. But that middle 80%, they'll behave at home, but don't put any temptation around them if their chances of getting caught are zero. Now, that there was a gentleman's guide to flirting exclusive breakthrough in human understanding. A heretofore unknown insight into human nature, for males anyway. 10, 80, 10. If you are Norwegian and can do so, feel free to put me in for a Nobel Prize next year for that insight. I'd be delighted to come to Oslo and accept. But I digress. Scientific studies offer perspectives on when monogamy evolved in the human species, and the results fall roughly into two camps broadly. Anthropologists offer some evidence that monogamy may have evolved very, very early in human history, looking back a few million years. However, the, the studies that are focused more on genetics suggest that monogamy may have evolved more recently, less than 10 or 20,000 years ago. It looks like many societies around the world have widely decided on their own that monogamy was best or useful for a few possible reasons. Uh, one, the transfer of wealth, property, and inheritance from one generation to the next. You know, think about it. If a, if a man has a lot of children from a lot of women, that complicates the handoff of his land and possessions and money from one generation to the next. A second, it's better to live in a safe and orderly community or society. By that I mean, you know, just imagine the level of violence that must have been commonplace before norms were established that were caused by men trying to have sex with every woman and girl in sight. You know, heck, look at the violence in bar fights now over women, but back then before there were more you know, laws and cultural norms that dissuaded men from doing that or outright stopped them, just imagine the amount of violence and fighting that was commonplace every day. 
Next consideration, war reducing the number of men. The male and female population ratios may have been thrown off kilter, especially back in our very violent past, and and especially in regions suffering from protracted wars and fighting compared to now. And the last kind of thought I had around this was like a, a social problem of men, for lack of a better term, discarding older women in favor of younger women for childbearing or other reasons. You know, back then, you know, to be fair, having enough children and offspring to survive was a crucial consideration, especially when you're living a lifestyle via agriculture and food might be short from year to year, and that could wipe your tribe or your family all the way out. Those are much tougher times. They couldn't just go to the grocery store and make sure they have all the basic necessities of life, so things were different back then. Let's look at this from a couple other perspectives. Now, I know we have listeners all over the world now and for that i'm grateful Uh, but from the judeo-christian tradition in the west i just want to point out that two of the ten commandments have something to do with monogamy and there are only ten of those as indicated by the name the ten commandments so we have 20 percent of those that touch on cheating you have in the number six or number or number seven spot, depending on which book you're talking about, thou shalt not commit adultery. And number 10 is thou has a component about not coveting thy neighbor's wife. So that's a heavy influence. Western European societies have over time established monogamy as their marital norm, as we discussed. In fact, monogamous marriage is legally enforced in most developed countries. So, adultery is a crime in a lot of places, so you got to be careful about that. This, is, this isn't just your decision alone in many cases. you got to be careful. For example, in the, in the United States, some states have uh, adultery still as a, a, listed as a crime in the books. Others don't. You just got to, you just need to be careful. So if you're guilty and married, that can really cost you in addition to what the crime calls for or gets you as a penalty where you live or reside or where it happens. Another factor for those in the U.S. military, for example, I'm not sure about any other military service in any other country where we have listeners, but in the U.S. military you need to watch out because you can be court-martialed for adultery per what's called the UCMJ. That's the Uniform Code of Military Justice, and that applies to all the U.S service branches so if you're caught doing an adulterous act the that could the penalties can be very even more severe than what's called for in a civilian court another force at work in many areas in the world is that many women's rights movements seek to have monogamy established as the only legal form of marriage so that is how we got here and what forces are at work in the world affecting the general topic so let's get to the point what, what is the answer for you Should you be faithful and monogamous or not? First of all, I don't judge. Life has taught me to be open-minded. Honestly, I really think the only person who can answer that question is you. So maybe the 10-80-10 concept that we covered earlier applies to most men. I can imagine a lot of women out there see us that way. 90% of us prone to cheating. But what about you? You do things thoughtfully, and in very high-quality ways. Before we proceed, why is there a difference between the rates of people not following a monogamous lifestyle between men and women? 
first of all, there's consequences, right? Women need to be worried about rape. Women need to have their defenses up. They've learned from thousands of years, generations, generation after generation, that they need to have their guards up and protect themselves. Women have to worry about getting pregnant, and obviously we don't. A man can just do his business and leave. He can just go his own way. Now, you need to think about being promiscuous. With disease prevalence being the way it is now, you cannot get away with having dozens or hundreds of women as sexual partners like you used to. Back in the, I guess, 50s, 60s, and 70s, you could without so much penalties. You may get a, you know, need a shot of penicillin every now and again, but now the diseases in some cases can very dramatically impact your life so you need to be careful so you have health to consider as part of making your personal decision so do you does your mindset does your decision process change when you're considering what if you're in a marriage already or what about what about if you just have a girlfriend let me ask you this what if there's a medical reason why one person or another in a relationship cannot or does not want sex maybe it's painful maybe they can't function because of some medical issue does that mean that the other person just stays permanently shut out what if there's a big difference between the amount of sex that both parties want without any kind of medical reason behind it what if there's a difference but otherwise everything else is perfectly fine and acceptable to both in the relationship can something be worked out or are you forced required to be unhappy Recall the breakdown from earlier where monogamy kind of broke down into three. There's like three kinds of it. There's marital monogamy, when it's just a marriage between two people. There was a social monogamy that was kind of like a little broader and more fluid. We have two people who have decided to live together. They do have sex with each other. And they also, uh, you know, share living quarters and they share access to food and money. Then there was this more restrictive concept of sexual monogamy where two people decide to have sex only with each other and no outsiders. Now, legal and societal concerns aside, those are important, but let's set those aside for a second for the purposes of discussion. In such cases, why couldn't two people be mostly socially monogamous but not sexually. That's something to consider, I suppose. So what's the answer? What is my answer? What is the takeaway point here? My answer is, it depends. Your happiness is non-negotiable, and what is right depends on the circumstances of your relationship. Let's go back to the priority list we just we discuss from time to time. You are at the top of that priority list. You're number one. And you need to be happy to make the whole thing, the whole organization, if you will, work. Remember, you're at the top advancing your goals, your education, your business, your career. Those are the top two items in our priority list consistently. And remember, that isn't selfish. It is selfless, not selfish. It is selfless because everything that you do is for other people that you care about, your family and others close to you. That is why you work so hard. You try to provide for them and support them and be the strongest possible asset for them. You cannot be at your best if you are miserable or unhappy about some major aspect of your life. Consider that point about your happiness being paramount, like always, alongside the 10 rules from the book. One of those 10 rules, the first one, is that under no circumstances is a woman to feel worse about herself after any interaction with you. That doesn't just apply to initial approaches, doesn't just apply to dating, it's for the rest of your life. So it isn't okay to leave a trail of damage behind you if you decide your needs around monogamy 
and companionship and intimacy and sex are more complicated than what traditional monogamy allows. You'll have a delicate balancing act there, but no matter what you decide, all of the principles in the book still apply. Your happiness is non-negotiable. Non-negotiable. Okay, that is all that I have for this week. Stay happy and healthy out there and take care.